0: Prepare for an unforgettable hour of television. Oh, that's him. Oh, Kirk. An historic encounter between two legendary crews. He's so much
1: more handsome
0: in person. Together in one of Star Trek's most beloved adventures. They are detestable creatures. This yes. celebrate an extraordinary event you'll have to see to believe. It's too much, father. Next time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine.
2: The Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me, going back to the past, and meeting James Kirk, are Rudy Kasbaker,
1: Emily Bowen Marlar,
3: and Adam Bowen. Uh, welcome to Strange New Takes. So, we're doing a time travel series uh, now, and uh, so we are recapping episodes that sort of even vaguely deal with time travel. And uh, yeah, so today we're going to be recapping Trials and Triple Asians from Deep Space Nine and kind of the original series as well.
0: So do remember to follow us on social media. That's uh, at Strange New Takes, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, do tell your friends about this pod. That's how we get discovered. Um, and do not forget to rate us. Um, we'd love your five-star ratings because that's how we get found out for people You know, looking to... Um, uh, Listen to new Star Trek podcasts, so give us your five-star rating on Apple Podcast.
1: And as always, if you haven't seen this episode, know that we are going to spoil this 25-year-old episode. Well, parts of it are 25 years old, other parts of it are like... 50 years old, but um, we're totally going to spoil it. So if you haven't watched it, this is a fun one. You might want to go back and watch it first. Although this is also one of those episodes that even if you haven't seen it, listening to us talk about it may get you to go back and watch it as well. So
2: Terrific. Well, I cannot wait, by the way, after this podcast is over to tell you about this device I have that fetches futuristic herbs for me. It's called a time machine. (laughs) (laughs) all right well we always start our episodes we gotta set the tone right uh we we always start our episodes with our strange new takes so crew can i get your strange new takes about trials and tribulations
3: yeah so uh right now i am uh channeling the experience of my chickens who are sitting underneath their coop uh just panting because it is hot as hell right now and i'm up on my third third floor attic uh and it is not a comfortable experience right here and i have i have two fans pointed at me but i'm i have not turned them on that's for you dear listener so that you don't just hear a buzzing sound throughout the entire podcast um and for it for the episode uh i'm pretty sure that odo only ever references things from the planet Tarkalia. Uh, he's always talking <laughs> about those right. damn Tarkalian hawks. And that I think there's a reference to a Tarkalian condor at one point, maybe because they wanted to spice it up a bit. Uh, but that, that guy ordered some Tarkalian tea and uh, yeah, I think he just needs to branch out a little bit.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. Well, you know, as you're talking about the heat, I was, the thing I was contemplating talking about was that this California girl just does not do humidity Oh my gosh. And you were born and partially raised in California. So probably, (laughs) I think that makes it harder (laughs) since we, we used to have to deal with heat, but not the humidity part of it. It's gross. Um, my strange new take is going to be a combination of things. So I tried to get my three-year-old to watch this episode with me, but he didn't want to, he just wanted to watch his show. But because I was telling him that it was about tribbles and it sounded like at first he might be excited to watch something with tribbles. Well, then he had this whole idea in his head of what tribbles were. And he was telling me all about the tribbles that are all in our house. And they were pooping on the toilet because he's three. And um, they were like, you know, taking over everything. They got into our plumbing. So he must have somehow i've been peeking around the corner while i was watching this episode because i'm like you have gotten it surprisingly close to how triples actually function in the star trek universe so yeah that's fun and i don't know if i have another strange take like particularly specifically for this episode other than it's just good fun
2: that's strange and new all right well i i was trying to think like, i was trying to think like what do i want to go with because you know my, my strange new takes i have the dad takes where it's like my more broke and i can't mold the grass <laughs> then sometimes i have like the random ones that everyone the diner looks at me and is like what is wrong with you why and then i have the ones sometimes that are just like space or science related kind of like bill and rudy do um you know i'll just i'll just go with with just an observation about my cats which is that they love to spend time in eyesight of me like the two of them uh since my partner's been away for a few days and they have spent every single day in my home office sleeping on the bed here whereas they usually sleep on the couch where she like near where she works so i think they just enjoy being like in eyesight of of the two of us whenever we're around and it kind of comforts them when they're snoozing so uh it is now my duty to kill anything that tries to go for them while i'm sitting here and many ants have suffered because of this (laughs) anyway um i i just i think my 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 strange new take is that this episode just had some seriously good visual effects like it is impressive how similar sure visual effects were yes so yeah
0: i love it all right um strange new take for me i'm actually gonna Pick up from Notch last week around uh, pairing your food and and tying it to experiences that uh, make good memories. Uh, One of the things that I've started to do is pair food or the nature of the food or the culture of the food with the type of programming I'm watching (laughs) while eating. Now, um, I'd like to apologize in advance if that is a sort of a cultural appropriation of sorts, but it just makes the food taste so much better. I I, I can't explain it. Um, cultural
1: appreciation, I think.
0: Yes, is better, yeah. Yes. <laughs> appreciation better than yes. appropriation. Um, so, yeah, try that out if you haven't. Um, it, it really works well for me. Um, in terms of this, this episode... Um, I am fascinated by Odo's affection for tribal <laughs> and how he yes. <laughs> keeps petting it. Um, we talked about uh, other animals. I mean, Adam, you mentioned it, but I, I don't remember Odo being really particularly affectionate towards uh, anything other than um, um, Kira and Quark from time to time. So that was nice to see. Uh, I was expecting him to shapeshift. It didn't happen, I think. So, mm. So yeah, it, it, interesting Odo in the past.
3: In the I mean, if, if I recall, it, it cost them a whole lot of money every time they had him shapeshift. Yeah. And I think uh, this episode was also massively over budget. So yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> that, I would that could imagine. have been a motivation. For that.
1: He was so blissed out with those tribbles, though. Like, I think it was about, about <laughs> the most blissed out we've ever seen, Odo.
2: <laughs> so, Trials and Tribulations, DS9 episode 6 of season 5. It is production number 40510. Five zero three. It first aired on. Uh, that just sound. I I don't read the production numbers normally. That just sounded like fun, so I did it. Uh, it first aired fourth November nineteen ninety six. It with the teleplays by Ronald D Moore and Rene Varia, The stories by Iris Stephen Baer, Hans Beimler uh, and Robert hewitt Wolf. I mean, these this is like this all star uh writing crew of DS Nine basically, and it's directed by Jonathan West. So, let's jump into our in-depth episode discussion, With starting with the episode summary from Memory Alpha. When Temporal Investigations arrives on Deep Space Nine, Cisco recounts how he and the crew of the Defiant traveled back in time to the 23rd century to prevent the assassination of Captain James T. Kirk during the original Enterprise's mission to Space Station K-7 also worth mentioning that this was a celebration of the 30th anniversary of star trek that's why this episode was made and um yeah let's let's just jump in and talk about the story right like we've been going through these sequentially so we should we should do that um when we look at the teaser and act one uh the the temporal cops show up uh cisco starts explaining things about the orb and this uh, Klingon disguised as a human, and how we used it to go back in time, and they ended up in the past.
3: Yeah, I I kind of like this, especially like at, we we've done. I don't even, I don't know how many episodes so far have of our time travel series, but I feel like we're just about at the point where we need to start acknowledging, like, you know, you know, there's a lot of like completely ridiculous time travel that that we're doing, and so it was refreshing to have. Like, the characters themselves were like, no, we've heard it before. Like, please stop doing this. It's so annoying. <laughs> so I, I, I thought it was a uh, maybe a bit hokey, but it was at least a fun framing device for the episode to have this kind of interrogation going on.
1: Well, and I, I, I love how yeah, like, humorless they are and like they don't like jokes. You know, oh, you know, you got to make jokes. We yeah, don't they, like they that. would have hated that time joke. And, that, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Gave. And then but I also <laughs> love like the call out to James T. Kirk, 17 separate temporal violations. The man was a menace, you know, like, so that's just <laughs> kind of fun too. you know, it's kind of poking at uh, how silly some of these things are. <laughs> exactly. Like you said,
2: well, and and like you were saying, Adam, it sets the tone immediately. Like you know yeah. what this episode is gonna be like. No, like Dax isn't gonna die at the end of this episode. Yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah. like we God. know that, that the way that it's gonna end is is like it's gonna be a funny episode. I will express some personal frustration with those two temporal cops. I think they went a little overboard on the like the the reference and like the in jokey scale. But I think Aww. that's just personal preference, and I think... It's because it was the I,
1: 30th thirtieth anniversary celebration, so they had to do fan service, you know?
2: Totally, totally. <laughs> and I, I am also sometimes on the, like, people are like, man, they, like, overcorrected on the references. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That was awesome. Like, Star Trek 2009, people were telling me, like, it's, it was too, like, referential. I've always been like, no, that was the best part. So... Your, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just personal problems. It's just personal So preference. you're on both sides,
1: Your mood depending
3: mood while you were mood.
2: watching the episode. <laughs> yeah. Both sides. Find people on both sides. Anyway. All right. oh
3: all
1: right. Why did he make an appearance in our podcast? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, anyway, uh, moving along. To the, so, so one of the cool things that they do in this whole setup business is uh, we get that, like, nice shot of the Enterprise, like, mm-hmm. coming on the screen we get to see the old uniforms that that enterprise model by the way they did the, the crew i was disappointed there wasn't some heist at the smithsonian they weren't like we we've got to go and get the model back and they didn't like break in and get it back they had to build a whole new one
0: yeah.
2: uh, for just this episode and look beautiful
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. yeah oh wow that's that's pretty crazy and, and- uh,
3: it, it it like what what was interesting is that like uh especially like now when we're when we we get to watch the original series like with everything uh remastered at this point and so it's uh it's it's interesting sort of like going here where, where it's like back to practical effects like how they how they used to do things more um but it it, it looked pretty good and i I enjoyed it
1: it was it was like I, there really was only one scene that I thought looked a little bit shaky and it was during the fight scene and i think it's just because there's so much motion that's happening in that one it's hard to get the the light to match and everything but i mean it was it was pretty flawless as far as um doing scenes like that because i mean that's wasn't this around the time forrest gump came out so that was kind of you know that was a really big thing putting people back in um in historical footage and but i just think they did a really great job
0: Yeah, good good point. And I think the way we can explain out the fight scene differences is that it was a fight scene and there was, I guess we were all um, immersed in the fact that, oh my God, they are actually intervening, right? They are taking part in that (laughs) fight. And then Worf is beating up Klingons and I'm wondering what's going on there. Like, are they recognizing that he's actually Klingon, (laughs) but, you know, differently... Set up, right? Yeah should, shouldn't they be able to notice yeah. the
3: nose going on a little and, bit? Yeah. yeah, and
0: I'm like, there is a whole other set of questions in my mind. Maybe we'll get to it at some point, but yeah, that... getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but
2: the, to your point, Emily, it is now canon that the 23rd century looked visually different than mm-hmm. the 24th century because, like, as soon as Cisco and Dax step onto the Enterprise, the filter pops in on the video, and it's all like brighter and kind of more pastel and. Old school film uh exposure.
1: Now you may have this in the notes. I haven't gone to the later part, but I remember I've heard a number of interviews and stories about this episode. And I think I remembered hearing that they didn't let um they didn't let Avery Brooks and uh Terry Farrell see the set before they open the doors and they walk onto the set. So that's their genuine reaction to being like, Oh my gosh, we're on the enterprise, you know. So I think that was kind of cool too.
3: Yeah, and, and and I think in in general this episode really captured the uh it, it was really fun getting to see everyone's reactions to to things uh and and that every character had sort of a different point of view with it like uh Dax was a particularly interesting one of like rem- actually remembering and like participating in that time uh so yeah it, it, it was sort of a um it was a different vibe than the other other episodes where usually everyone is kind of the same perspective, except for time zero with having Guinan like, like was around at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh,
2: I, I mean, also another thing that became canon in this episode was the, the division color switch between oh, yeah. uh, operations and, um, engineering on mm-hmm. well, no operation, operations and command. Yes. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also we get the classic, you know, uh O'Brien is explaining to to Dax and the oldies operations officers were red command officers were gold and Dax comes in and says and women wore less gross and <laughs> yeah yeah and and then we get uh D- Bashir being like I think I'm going to like history and I feel so like gross. Th- there were a couple of moments like that in this episode where I was just like, uh, we we brought back a few too many things from the, the 60s uh, well, into they, this episode.
1: For sure. Yeah. There were, well, there are two things. I feel like they brought back some of the negative aspects of Bashir's character too, because by this point in the yeah, series, this is he season stopped one, being for like sure. that. Yeah, so they went back to B- season one Bashir for a couple of moments in this episode. But I have to tell you, I have never in my life looked at a man the way it's 1960s Star Trek thinks women look at men. I've just never done that. It's so gross when whatever her name was, the way she was looking at Ian Bashir and yeah, everything. His, I'm like, that's potentially just potentially his great grandmother. <laughs> Like, yeah. I mean, and Luckily. I have been around some really good looking men in my life, but I have never looked at one like that. It's just so gross.
3: And then, then <laughs> if you asked him to give you a physical tomorrow Oh morning my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> f- f- physicals have not, in my uh, experience, been like incredibly sexy.
1: Situation. That is totally Gene Roddenberry's uh, vision. Sorry, I like Gene uh, Roddenberry yeah. fine, but when it comes to women, I don't. I don't.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a reference. Yeah. I was just watching a Voyager episode recently where... The, it's i think it's author author the doctor is is portrayed the crew in a, in a weird manner and he makes a paris uh be this weird guy who's trying to like cheat on on, on balana and he's he's like getting all these women into yeah uh... yeah <laughs> the medical room is like i'm here for my physical I was like okay oh yes yeah you're yeah they, do, they make yeah. like
3: the exact same gross joke
2: Oof. I so one of the things that was, that was kind of interesting here was that they all also got period hairstyles so it's almost like the 60s is now officially 23rd century aesthetic is like the 60s oh yeah and like Bashir gets like that kind of floppy almost vulcanish look um and Dax gets the beehive and, and it's kind of interesting that they chose to go with that and, and like kind of canonize that aesthetic look. So I, I thought that was kind of a little bit of an interesting take as well. Um, but anyway, moving on, we, we then get to the, the next couple of acts in this episode where initially they're looking for Jarvin on, on the Starbase and on Enterprise. And then basically we get the scene that we talked about in that turbo lift. And the, the initial scene in the bar where we learn that somebody has ordered the Racticino, Um <laughs> And then the K7, cruiser shows up. Oh, no. What's going to happen?
3: A little well, bummed it's out D-7, we didn't right? see it. It's
2: K- K7's the station.
3: Oh, K7. That's right.
1: Would have been D7, maybe.
2: Does it come in a little bit later? I think maybe the D7 comes in a little bit later. But yeah, anyway. So, so second act essentially is is the, the bar scene and the turbolift of scenes and, and mm-hmm. some of the... We, we get introduced to a Tribble for the first time. Who is that dude who is with uh, Uhura and Chekhov? Like, I haven't actually watched the Trouble with Tribbles, and there's, like, this dude later in the fight, he's, like, carrying those drinks and stuff.
3: Like, it's Cyrano, right? Oh, is Jones? Jones? Yeah, that, that's Cyrano Jones, who is uh, the one who I think has sold everyone the Tribbles. The Tribbles, tribbles. yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. So, but th- that's that scene where he's like juggling the drinks is
1: the fight scene is like
3: a it, it's the, almost the same scene happens in the or in the original series episode. Right. But
1: you know what's different about it. Uh, I always think it's so funny when you go back and watch the original try. Uh, I keep calling it the wrong thing. Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. When you go back and watch Trouble with Tribbles, the music during that fight scene is really hokey and like, Doo, do, 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 do do not like oh. that exactly, but it's very <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny yeah. kind of music. And in the DS nine, it's like very dramatic fight music. you
0: know, <laughs> like, So yeah, that it yeah.
1: totally changes the feel of that scene um, from how it felt in the original episode.
3: Yeah. I, th- I think I actually read in the, um, the notes from this episode uh, that they were over budgeted like that was one of the things I felt they missed was that they wanted to have that original score or at least something that fit in with it and uh, weren't able to recreate that without like a lot of extra expense so we got DS9 music
2: unfortunately (laughs) yeah I think I think so one of the things I would say in act two and act three also that gets established is that our characters are gonna have their own story next to the Trouble with Troubles story. It's not going to be our characters actively participating in the events of Troubles with Troubles as much as just those events are happening. We can hear in the background, like our characters are talking and something's happening mm-hmm. in the background. We can hear like other TOS characters talking. I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, um, like Worf sold Cedar no Jones the Tribble and that's how the Tribble showed right. up. It's just like, you know, it's much more like, incidental presence of our characters
0: so you know what you're doing there right yeah. you're you're speaking the minds of the two temporal officers that you don't like right <laughs> they're, they're the guys who said that we don't like the excuses were like hey it was meant to happen predestination paradox we had to go back uh, and do stuff because we're always destined to do do, do that and, and cisco says right like hey no that's not what we we're trying to do somebody was trying to changed the past and we just went in with them to stop them and it's it's nice like since we've done so many time travel episodes there's now almost a classification of different types of interventions right mm-hmm. or observation yeah. versus predestination paradox where it was always meant to happen versus you know um trying to stop somebody else from going back and doing the same thing or doing something wrong like uh, you know uh, uh, city at the edge of forever so yeah that was nice
1: you know what I also enjoyed about this episode was just watching like the two characters I enjoyed watching the most was um, Cisco and Dax. It was just super fun mm. watching them experience this together. You know, it was just, you know, I mean, just because their friendship totally came out in the way they played the scenes and, you know, just little things like. Like, oh, he's so dreamy. Like, oh, yeah, Kirk was quite the latest man. Oh, not Kirk. Spock. Okay, let's go. Yeah. You know, like, just kind of like, <laughs> he's like, I can't even, I don't even know what you're going to do in this. We just need to step to the next thing.
2: yeah
1: <laughs> <Well, and also, laughs> That like, confused
2: me. Like, why why is, like, it okay for her to be, like, ogling Kirk? But then as soon as he finds out it's Spock, it's like okay
1: <laughs> i will i wondered that too i was like oh my gosh this are you a little racist but then i've made it different i he's not racist this is my head canon my head canon is he just realized that that dax wants to be a part of things so badly he's just like you know what? we just need to keep moving on because there are all these little times where you're just wanting to kind of get into things and be a part of things because you well, used to live in and, and i feel like
3: if you need to avoid uh like talking uh, just out of earshot from anybody you need to not t- do not say Spock's name when you're like fit 5 or 5 to 10 feet from Spock like yeah. he's going to hear
0: your entire conversation. Yeah, she she was the biggest risk potentially in changing the timeline. I think she had already established this. I don't know why they wrote it this way, but she wanted to meet that d 7 cruiser captain Coloth and she was yeah. like, "Oh, he's in his prime." So I don't know if that was also sort of an ogle, but then after that it was Spock, so I guess that's why Cisco, like you said, felt that she should calm down. But yeah, yeah I think she was ugly. No, I I, I think people. that was a. I, I think Kurzon has a relationship with
3: Koloth, and so it, it's a. It's uh, more no. of a like, oh, I want to see him. What like instead of just all the stories of telling me when he was great, uh, I want to see him when he was great. Yeah. Uh
2: But but well, yeah, the and and Koloth does show up in Deep Space Nine in yeah. the Sword of Kalos mm-hmm. and once more into the breach. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's now is like, Koloth
1: in this episode?
2: Uh, Koloth... I don't think
3: they, they, I don't think they actually showed him in, like on the station in Trials and Tribulations. I think he's
2: in Troubles with
1: Triple. Is he though. okay? I, I couldn't think remember. He is.
2: Yeah. Um, and and the other thing that we get, um, in, in this part of the episode is the is the. <laughs> I mean, y'all like the interactions between Dax and Cisco. I love Bashir and uh, O'Brien. Oh, no,
1: they were pretty funny, too.
2: <laughs> I mean, the, the stuff in the turbo lift they, like, figure out how to make it work. Yeah. And, like, she could oh, have yeah. the, like, the handle, and they're both like, oh, of course, yeah. we have to also, like... It,
0: it's the classic, and you go to first class after a long time on a plane, or you go to, go to a higher level, and they're like, okay, I'm going to see what other people do, and yeah. <laughs> do it myself. But, oh, and when he well, doesn't and,
1: and know who Kirk is, like, he thinks...
0: <laughs> no, <that's the> best. <laughs> Not, yes, yeah, no, 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 that was absolutely. He's pretty, He's pretty certain. pretty really is. Yeah,
3: and it is. It's almost to the point where, like, uh everyone just kind of accepts, like, oh, yeah, that's probably Kirk. And so you're sort of like, oh, well, maybe they, like, we're supposed to also feel like it's Kirk, and they just will go on to the next scene and, like, we'll just not worry about it. Like, okay, no.
2: <laughs> well, the best thing is also that earlier O'Brien's the one telling Bashir like you dope, you don't even know like the colors and stuff about uniform. You're yeah, not a doctor, a historian, like... <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, the bones reference right there. And then yeah, you don't, you don't get that. But then O'Brien misses the like yes. lieutenant uh, sleeve patch, uh, yeah. sleeve uh, insignia. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... yeah, yeah none of so them know like, what they're talking about
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that classic yeah, and, and like oh yeah i know i know exactly yeah yeah don't worry man i got Yeah, it's, it's
3: funny because I, I i feel like we're used to I, I mean i know that most of the episodes usually have like oh they're ignorant of like what happened in 1850 whatever or like in 1980s that things are a bit different but it's it's funny seeing them not know anything about things that are like just a hundred years ago to the point that like o'brien has absolutely no idea how the enterprise works and like cannot do the simplest
2: task. Well also he's like, Yeah, this is like wired like junk. Like, oh my god, who did this work? And it's it's like, is is this I guess I mean I do that when I pull out some of the old electrical in my house. But so I guess but I, I have a hard time imagining safety standards in Starfleet have changed so much. Like that, you know, <laughs> they're like, Oh yeah, the the like shipbuilding co electrical code has changed in a hundred years, yeah. yo. <laughs>
1: Oh, you know like, the. I and mean,
2: imagine having different technology.
1: The other thing I totally love this is like jumping past the fight scene, but I love when, uh, you know, so you have the that one really cool scene where Kirk is uh, um, interrogating those who got into the fight, and then afterwards, O'Brien's like, um, "I totally just lied to Captain Kirk. I wish Keiko were here to see this, you know." Like, <laughs> just, yeah, so there are some pretty great moments with them. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, no. Is, is it is it insubordination if you lie to your superior officer in the past? Oh. That's something to consider time travel wise. <laughs> I mean, like, they all lied to him, right. I
1: was going to say yeah, <laughs> they all lied. I mean, yeah. uh, what's his face like right after? He knew it.
2: He knew that they were lying, so it's all good. I guess I guess <laughs> the time travel also puts you outside the chain of command because that's an ex. is is it example? yeah because
3: i i think the temporal cops would be more sad if they uh right. if they had actually told the truth so
2: <laughs> well what one more thing before we take a break here which is this is this the end of act uh act uh act three is famous because it's the moment where we finally for the first time in star trek history get an explanation for why the klingons looked different in the original series, <laughs> and and that is made canon, rather than it just being like, a, oh no, the the makeup was different back then, and we just have to accept it. No, now it is canon that the cranial ridges were not present on the Klingons <laughs> in the 23rd century.
1: How much do you think they talked about that in the writers' room? How are we going? If we do Trials and tri- or Trouble with Tribbles, how are we going to explain the different Klingon look? <laughs> <Like, you
3: know, laughs> Yeah, but I I feel like it fit perfectly with the tone of the rest of the episode of just being like, don't worry about it, But you know what's kind
1: of funny? I know you all, I know, okay, I know the fandom is split onto whether or not they like the DS9 explanation of... um, the Klingon look, or mm-hmm. if they like that Enterprise then tried to do something with the DS9 explanation to kind of put mm-hmm. it into canon also. But it is pretty, pretty great that um, Enterprise then took exactly that line because they said, what, well, those are Klingons? What, was it some kind of genetic engineering, a viral mutation? When it was both of those things, the way Enterprise does yeah, it. So yeah. anyway, I just thought that was kind of fun too, you know?
2: yeah. I mean, I, I I completely forgotten that Enterprise's explanation is mentioned in this episode. Yeah, yeah, like I, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's here's what I'm, I'm reading from memory Alpha now. Ronald D. Moore wrote Worf's explanation or lack thereof into the script because he felt that there was quote not a single explanation less that's less than preposterous unquote for the makeup differences, and he believed that fans could figure out why the Klingons look so different. Bashir and O'Brien's dialogue, considering the issue, had them suggesting reasons that had long been proposed by fans as the reasons for differences. Ah,
1: interesting. So that's it. Funny. Kind of. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's meta.
2: I, I, right. <laughs> and just just as a reminder, the the dialogue in this episode, which I I do think it's a, it's a very good piece of writing. It's like it's I think the the sentence used is it's very clipped, which is we do not discuss it with outsiders. Yeah. Perfect.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It fits into canon so beautifully. Well, it's, it's that and the triple situation. That is also not.
1: Oh my gosh, the triple! That's hilarious. We hunted them down and eradicated them.
0: Ecologically.
1: <laughs> yeah, you write songs, yeah, hundred. You write songs, <laughs> yeah, for the great triple <laughs> Hunt <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, we we oh. didn't mention this, but I mean, we have to talk about how wharf smells. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> an earthy peaty aroma with a hint of lilac. <laughs> It's just so good.
0: Uh, it's
2: yeah, this is good. I mean, Worf gets made fun of a bunch in this episode. I just appreciate also like the fact that Odo is so cranky, allows him. I feel like to have this like ability to make fun of Worf, yeah. which is, it's it's a pretty keep art. I feel like, which I don't. I don't think there are a lot of other characters who could like Riker. Maybe could get away with it at times, but like there aren't too many characters who like can out like crank Worf. Yeah.
1: It's true. It's true.
2: You know, um, well, let's let's take a break here. We'll come back, and I think when we when we jump back, and let's talk about the mechanics of time travel in this episode. Clearly, we've been going about this search business all wrong, Chief. You're right. Why bother searching thirty decks when you can just plunk yourself down at the bar here and wait for Darwin to come to you? We have reason to believe that he'll return to this area.
3: Ah. Ah, yes, the. Right to Gino. A vital clue that others might have missed. How fortunate it
2: is that it has kept you stuck at this bar for the past three hours having drinks while we've been crawling through conduits.
0: Oh my God, that's him. Who? Oh, Kirk. Where? On the left, in the gold, just sitting down. That's Kirk?
3: It would be an honor to meet him.
0: Let's buy him a drink. Gentlemen, no one is buying anyone a drink. He's right. We can't risk altering the timeline. What will it be, boys? And don't ask for Ractogeno. If I have to say we don't carry Who that ordered one more Ractagino? time... The Klingons. Klingons? Over there. And over there.
2: Those are Klingons? All right the boys have had enough mr. war they are Klingons and it is a long story
0: what happened some kind of genetic engineering a viral mutation
2: would you not discuss it with outsiders welcome back to strange new takes let's talk about the mechanics of time travel and I also want us to discuss briefly the existence of the temporal investigations unit now I don't know if this was their first appearance Department of temporal investigations
1: I feel like uh, I don't ever I don't ever remember seeing them before it's all right. relative right
3: yeah I I, 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 I know we, we've had like the other shoot-offs of them, or offshoots of them, but uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, the same department over time or whatnot.
1: Well, and I feel like... Now, I can't remember this for sure, because, you know, I've seen so many Star Trek episodes in so many different orders, but I feel like this is one of the few where we're not experiencing the time travel as it unfolds. We're being told about it after the fact. Like, you know, whereas a, in yeah, a lot of the yeah. other episodes, we're experiencing it along with the characters.
0: Mm-hmm. great call out i think that was actually i felt that was nice in a way um yeah it it,
3: it, it it like removes the tension because like we we know that this isn't supposed to be a scary episode we're not supposed to worry if kirk is going to end up dead or whatever because it that just doesn't fit at all with the
2: trouble with trouble right right like the, the 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 ds9 characters are watching the show
3: like, yeah
2: like you said a second ago emily Mm -hmm. um i i think so i'm just doing some reading so it looks like the the department of temporal investigations is in this episode and then in an episode of uh of uh lower decks much ado about point Lawrence only because someone makes a reference to the time travel police (laughs) Um, (laughs) by the way also um apparently there was supposed to be an admiral coming to the station to talk about it with uh cisco but that the the writers felt that was boring and so they made these two agents who are named um dulmer and luxley or lustley i forget exactly how it's pronounced which are anagrams of Mulder and scully the two agents from the x-files so uh,
0: it's a it's a tough job though um whatever they had and i i mean they made them a little comical but put yourselves in their shoes it's it's you're kind of not taken seriously but your job is extremely serious uh, but everything is in hindsight so what can you do it's 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 kind of mind-bending i
3: mean, th- that's why it's better when they have the 27th century ship in voyager and can just like go back in time and and like actually solve the things themselves instead of uh like just having the boring office job of like interviewing people Me like Damn it. Now someone went back and killed Hitler and now we need to go change that because of this other thing.
2: It's um yeah, I I, I feel like it would be a very confusing department to be a part of. Like mm-hmm. is this was this like time travel or was it always supposed to be this way? Am I supposed to be in a different universe? Like
1: if we had changed anything, we would have been the first ones to know about it. Why do they always say that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because
0: th- th- they're so handicapping <laughs> <laughs> so like we 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 won't even know um we won't know if anything changed, but the people who go back and and you know are time travel naughty they they claim that they know the differences so
3: <laughs> well and so, I guess that
0: that's interesting because
3: the uh I guess in the twenty seventh century version of it uh they actually have a ship that can protect them, I think from the time travel, but these people are just like two random dudes, so they they probably just have to look through like historical records and say like that like, that event doesn't make sense to me. Let's research to see if it was actually a real event or not. And then... That just know. made me
1: want to go watch that episode with Seven of Nine, where she's actually wearing a uniform. Isn't that a time travel episode?
0: It is. Relativity. Yeah, we should.
1: Yeah.
2: I believe yeah. that episode is called Relativity, yeah. where yeah. she meets Braxton. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, the, the other thing that I wanted to... We should talk about is the Orb of Time, the Bajoran Orb of Time, which... I mean, it shows up in two episodes, and I feel like, as far as things that show up in two episodes of Star Trek, it has probably the most diverse range of tone. Because it shows up Mm -hmm. in this episode, which is like hilarious, and then it shows up in Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night, when Kira goes back to meet her mom, who is. Essentially, a comfort woman to the Cardassians on Derikul. To you
1: caught, like not just to right. like the Cardassians, but yeah, right.
2: yeah. It is. I mean, serious. I don't think does that episode justice in its in its tone, uh, describing its tone. So, I mean, the, but at least it shows up again. They aren't mm-hmm. like, oh, the Arbor of Time was a convenient thirtieth anniversary plot device. Gone now. Um, And there isn't much, like, discussion of how it works in this episode, at least. It's just like, whoop, you open it, boom,
0: you're back in time. Hello. Um, I I think that's good, though, in a way. And I I think, Adam, you mentioned this in a a, uh, couple of episodes ago. I think it was with uh, uh, the times Arrow where it's not time travel generated by um, Star Trek technology. And then you kind of get into the loop of having to explain it. It's like some stuff that happens outside and... And that's okay. It's just happened and you believe it and you focus on everything else. So that that felt nice in a way.
3: Yeah. And, and I think I actually would have been fine if this hadn't ever come up ever again, because it like the, the whole purpose of this episode is just to be silly and like, remember the, how, how hilarious and weird this episode was. So like, yeah, it, it's just a um, I'm, I'm fine with it just being like a fiddly, like the prophets made it or something uh as like the explanation we just don't need to go
2: into it it is also i mean it's it's like the it's it's one of those extraordinarily convenient time travel uh mechanisms that has the potential to really mess things up like it's so convenient that it's like man this why why aren't we using this to like change the awkward interactions like i was joking about last week (laughs) with our friends so um well, yeah, the, prophet,
3: the Wormhole aliens have to approve, uh, so they, they wouldn't want you to, to... They thought it was hilarious when you said that awkward thing and don't want you to fix it.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, what if you have the orb of time and you go around the sun? Like, what happens if you do both of those together? I'll tell you what, they you cancel each other. Do you double go back in time? No, they cancel each other out and nothing
3: happens. <laughs> oh, okay, well,
2: all right. Uh, well, I don't want to belabor it. I think... I I will say again. Do I think Echo I maybe Rudy said this? It doesn't get in the way. The mechanism here it's so quick, and then we just move on. Mm-hmm. That like there's much more interesting things happening. So they don't need to tech f- the
1: tech. You know, they just kind of <laughs> it yeah, doesn't get too heavy.
2: Right. I mean, Max would be disappointed. There's no techno babble around <laughs> the time travel. There's no point three phase variants. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> although 0.4%. I do do. do, do
2: we got we got chroniton particles, or didn't we? I think yes. we got chroniton. Particles. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the beginning, and we also
3: th- there was a mention of the tricobalt. Well, I don't I don't think they said tricobalt device, but there was the tricobalt explosive, in a triple, which seems pretty gruesome. But... <laughs> yeah,
2: oh, like tri-cobalt. how do you like? <laughs> like that would be. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, much. is it, is there triple blood? Uh, I think maybe in the trouble with Edward, we might have. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs>
0: yeah, let's, <live> let's... Cute, <laughs> leave we... him be. Right. moving to like scallops. Along.
2: right um so act four and act five are kind of the the resolution of of this whole story we have the scenes you know this happens right after the fight which we've talked about a little bit apparently the performers really enjoyed the old school fighting techniques Emily I saw you demonstrating yes. a second ago
1: <laughs> the double fisted hand I care I wish I could remember exactly how uh Jerry O'Connell's character describes
0: it in
1: <laughs> in lower tax. And he's like, Double fisted hand punch or whatever he calls it. I can't remember. It's too
0: funny. I, I found it um I I don't know, I don't remember, but I have I va- vaguely recollect Chekhov trying to beat up a huge guy in another episode yep. and not being successful. So they show it again here. <laughs> I don't remember where though. Oh it, it was it was soothingly nostalgic. I don't I don't know from where By the way, how <laughs> quaint is it that he's like
2: but he he said something bad about the captain, and yeah. that's
0: like really offensive. And they're yeah.
2: like, the enterprise should be hauled away as garbage, and and that's like the precipitating. thing. Yeah, now you've crossed <laughs> the line.
1: It's because you know, so because well, so they've established in lots of other episodes that uh, that not, I keep calling actors by their actors' names and not by their character names. Scotty is the third in command right so uh so he would Mm -hmm. be the the commanding officer in that situation so he's like no we we we're better than this we're better than this but don't you
0: dare insult the
1: enterprise
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like every single klingon and starfleet officer in that bar was just waiting they were like everybody had smiles on their faces like come on let's go are we going now are we going now come on somebody start this already (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah i mean and and the choreography is so like good with the new scene so i actually watched like a side-by-side comparison of the two like the oh. original episode and this one um and they do a good job of like cutting in the new footage because they did have to rebuild the sets and like you know and and they they had to like be careful about where like the chair was thrown and like where people were in entering and exiting scenes and it's so I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was kind of weird if you haven't watched Trouble with Tribbles. Like, I haven't watched it. So it's Cedar no. Jones grabbing the alcohol from behind the bar. In the original episode, you actually see him going behind the bar. And I think in this one, he's just there. And so that confused me as to why that footage was even still included. I, but I uh, found his
0: uniform yeah. funny, though. He had, like, these weird fluffy... Ba- I mean, he was already portrayed as being healthy. But he had these weird fluffy ballast kind of... And... Well,
3: that—that's that, like pockets, the the, yeah, it's the pockets that that uh, Odo and Worf are yeah. wearing the same, like absolutely ridiculous oh, uh, okay. future sixties. Uh, uh, did he have jackets or whatever? Were they filled with dribbles because they were kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. No, I, th- I think they're just ugly pockets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think they were filled with lots of things because he was trying to entice them with various, you know, trinkets. jewels and gems and trinkets that he had.
2: So. But, but getting past that we talked about the scene with with Captain Kirk and the officers and essentially what what happens then in the rest of the episode is that they the uh, the DS9 crew get a good they recapture Jarvin at the end of the fight they're able to find out that there's a tricobalt device in the tribble somewhere they start a more focused search uh, Dax and Sisko end up in the grain storage in the
1: storage compartment storage compartment right in the storage, the storage, storage compartment, compartment in the storage compartment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So they don't have they don't show in the original Trouble with Tribbles, Kirk is the one that says storage compartment, storage compartment. So he says it twice and it's very strange. Like why is he saying it twice? So I just love that Cisco. So you hear you hear Kirk say in the storage compartment storage compartment, storage compartment, anyway. It was a nice yeah, little
3: call Yeah, I, I, I think that there is something to be gained from this episode when you watch the original one, yeah. and then you also watch this, because yeah. there's lots and lots of callbacks like that.
2: Well, and when he has those, tr- you know, in the original episode, Kirk <laughs> has, like, one trouble yes! falling on him for the whole, like, rest of the scene, yes! and it's, and now there's a canon explanation of Sisko and Dax, like, throwing them <laughs> over their shoulder. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it,
1: it's so good, it's so good. Well, and I also love the, you know, when Dax figures out how many, exactly how many tribbles are on the station oh yeah and spock later says the exact same number and explains how he gets to that number and it's good stuff well
2: so so the question i i had here was they say that the the grain is poisoned was that grain actually poisoned
1: i think it was in the first in the original episode okay so
3: it's it's quadratriticale and my recollection is that the uh that's what that was going to like, that was like a new colony mm-hmm. or something like that for the Federation. And so uh, the was is like wheat that they were going to be growing there to feed people. But if it was all poisoned, then it would have either killed it everybody or just like had been a failed crop. And so the. I feel like uh, it wasn't
1: w- wasn't meant to kill people. I feel like it was meant so that it would be a failed crop. I don't feel it was as nefarious yeah. as let's murder all these colonists. But...
3: Yeah. Yep. Huh. Yeah. So it, the only way that he discovered the poisoned crop was that the tribbles were eating it and dying, uh, which was discovered by Kirk within that storage compartment scene.
2: Yeah. Oh, so that's the point of trouble with tribbles is right. that the the tribbles actually serve a function.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They reveal the. That because it wasn't plot, it wasn't yeah. it Darwin who was the one that poisoned the the yeah and Aww.
3: Cyrano Jones is the one that that is the originator of the trouble, right. so it's like those two people doing uh slightly sketchy things uh conflicted with each okay. other
0: Darwin failed Klingon intelligence officer who then lives out the rest of his life right in in misery somehow ends up in, in human form yeah it, it ends up in Cardassian during the Klingon blockade, which then. Yeah. Um, pardon me. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say which then is the is the trigger for this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full circle. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and the
2: the other thing that we we just missed a, a second ago is Dax and Cisco going onto the bridge before this happens, which is important because nobody in this in the cast had actually seen the bridge before they stepped onto it. So their reactions are all genuine when they step onto the bridge and kind of go like, wow, this is incredible. And Kirk walks onto the bridge. And in the original episode, he looks around a bunch when he sits on the treble and is like holding it up. And they inserted that shot of Dax reacting to Kirk Mm -hmm. in there. And apparently she had to be asked to make that look. She loved it and had to make that look very short because... The director was convinced that if the if Kirk and somebody shared a long look, a woman shared a long look, that, that Kirk would, like, <laughs> pursue her or something like that. <laughs> oh
3: my
1: because God. he was created by Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, the other thing we find out is in that scene, which I thought was, like, egregious, to be perfectly honest. That made me just, like, physically uncomfortable. was, like, uh, Dax ogling... McCoy and being like, "Ooh, he had surgeon's hands or doctor's hands or whatever." Oh, I was just like, yeah. Please, no. <laughs> we don't need to go
0: into this. This is my Star Trek.
1: <laughs> what? Uh. You know what? That just dawned on me. Is McCoy in this episode?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he comes he to the is. bridge. He comes, in, he
1: comes in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Because <laughs> Kirk sits on the trouble. He's like, "Doctor McCoy, will you please come to the bridge?" And then he shows up, and Dax, then it cuts to uh, Dax, who's like talking think... about how she met him at Old Miss. Uh, and, okay, okay, and okay, that's right. Oh, she was sure he was going to become a doctor because he had surgeon's hands. Yeah.
1: Because I know he's for sure in the trouble with tribbles. Um, yeah. Because yeah. He's, taught, as as he's as far as I can tell, Jim, they're born line. pregnant. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he gets called yeah. up because he sits on them, and then also Kirk sees Chekhov playing with a dribble and not paying attention to his Yeah. Muscle, I think Yeah, irritates him. <laughs> <her. laughs> <laughs> um,
2: <sighs> well. I feel like this is this, the rest of this episode is, is pretty by the book after that. I think the only surprise is at the end that Tribbles are taking over DS9. Yeah. Um,
0: so what happens there? Yeah, like, I, I love the Tribble
1: on Quark's head. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's pretty funny. Um, but that stressed me out a little because um, uh, going back to the, and I apologize, I forget the name of the gentleman, but going back, oh, with um, Edward is the name, right? Yeah. I'm going to call it the yeah. RV Tribbles episode. Um all that. Um but that ends pretty badly when you don't like intervene, right? So You're right. what right. happens to the Roman and Deep yeah, Space Nine? Yeah. Deep Space that's why
3: uh the Terek Noor is destroyed and we never uh use it for the rest of the series. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, uh I mean Maybe they figured out a toxin that reduce really slows down their reproduction or something. I don't know. I mean they've had like maybe they contracted the Klingon Empire to start the second great triple hunt and wrote songs about it. I don't know. Um, but okay, so I think the tone in this episode stays pretty consistent. The pacing is pretty consistent. I think by the end of it, you're just sitting there being like, ah, that was great. I, I didn't I didn't feel like I needed more from this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, it's a very satisfying conclusion. Yeah. And again, they don't drag out, like, how did you come back? What did you do with Jarvin afterwards? Like, none. Of, it's just like, boom, boom, like, boom. It's just done. Yeah, K- Kira
0: had spent enough time, like, studying the orb or something. Right, yeah, just, they made it real home. simple. The only right. time if it go, that I had a little bit of concern of them being revealed, um, it wasn't even when when Kirk is questioning O'Brien. It's when that other, um, I think it's it's uh, another ensign or somebody comes by and says, "Hey, this is my area. Right. What are you doing here?" Oh <laughs> like, right, yeah, right. it's like, "Who are you? Show me your. You know, are you are you on this ship? Are you on the roster or something?" But no, he just like they just explained him We're away. Doing a study, <laughs> yeah. It's like a yeah. <laughs> stress study. <laughs>
1: Work, work, work related stress.
2: <laughs> so one, one thing we haven't discussed, we talked about how the woman who meets Bashir makes some inappropriate comments about him or to him. Mm. But what we didn't talk about is the fact that then he gets wrapped up about being his own great grandfather, which is extraordinarily odd. Yeah, um, and also is excited
0: about being his own great grandfather. He's just well, he's, so he's, gross. he's stressed about it because it, he's like, "I won't exist," and and then they just drop that right. Like it just doesn't come up yeah. again. So, um,
1: and I bet his great grand or his great grandmother's last name wasn't Watley. I think he just made that up because he wanted some excuse to. <laughs> <laughs> <I>
2: mean... <laughs> um, well. Uh, is there anything else in this episode that y'all would like to discuss
0: before we move on to ratings? Um, no. I uh, I was gonna say that it was it was nice to see a huge tricorder and a dribble get beamed out and float in space for a couple of seconds before thing exploded, <laughs> and then nobody detected that explosion. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's like two starships, uh, flagship starships. And a space station, but they're like, yeah, something just exploded.
3: Maybe they maybe they timed it for like that three yeah. second gap where the the Enterprise like can't detect anything
2: or whatever. <laughs> three seconds seemed like a really long time, by the way, to have a sensor gap. But uh... <laughs> it's because all their wires are crossed and uh, super messy, so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: I let you have this you have this in the notes, the trivia bits. I don't know if you wanted to share this, notch, but I just thought this was a fun one. I was reading that um in what Iris Stephen Baer later described as the most incredible coincidence he has ever experienced. Baer and the other producers were at the Mulberry Street Pizza parlor in Beverly Hills. Discussing the possibility of bringing back TOS actors for this episode, Bear mentioned Charlie Brill, who played Arne Darvin, who he then spotted at the counter alongside his wife. Oh. Although Bear was hesitant to discuss the matter directly with Brill due to complications that normally entail Hollywood negotiations, Brill was greatly honored to be given a chance to make history twice, and he felt that Gene Roddenberry would be proud. Uh, Bear later joked in a DVD audio commentary for this episode that the remarkable turn of events proved God was a DS9 fan, <laughs> oh while real God. stated that he was happy he hadn't gone out for Chinese food instead. <laughs> that's just fun. What I was thinking, yeah, the I, actor looked extraordinarily like he looked really good. <laughs> like I was like, he aged really nicely, you know. But that's pretty cool. I,
3: as a as a site, I'm the one that copied that note from uh, Memory Alpha, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, they link God as to an actual page <laughs> on Memory Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it's, They have God of Sha- uh,
2: Shakari and then Q appearing as God.
3: Oh my gosh. <laughs> the two images. Oh my gosh.
1: That's there so are funny. some really, like,
2: obscure Memory Alpha pages sometimes where, like, why does this have a, an entire article dedicated to it? But uh, the... It's also interesting in in creating story, the creating the story they were discussing different episodes that they wanted to maybe have d s science characters go into but they they wanted it to be like a fun romp and so they considered city on the edge of forever and then quickly dismissed the idea because it was too serious. Can you imagine like I mean we watched city on the edge of forever for this podcast like the, the lady getting hit by the truck in the background oh while this Dax and Cisco are like having shenanigans somewhere,
3: else. Oh <laughs> like mm-hmm.
2: sh- crash and then like they do some slapstick stuff. Like yeah,
3: it?
0: well then um, they could they
3: could actually pull out the full slapstick uh, original script for that uh, episode. Right, so. <laughs> right, exactly. Because the, the, then they had that
2: guy who added gangs
1: right, to it. Right,
0: exactly. Right. Oh. right.
2: Oh. Um. <laughs> Well, one last point before we go to ratings, Voyager also did a 30th anniversary episode because it was also airing at this point. And its episode was called Flashback. It's it's the second episode of their third season, and it's where Tuvok does a mind meld with Jane Way to go back to the events of Undiscovered County, where, where we go to the USS Excelsior and instead of doing the forest gum technique, which this episode does, they actually like brought back all the original actors from Undiscovered County to do to, to prize their roles, which is really neat. Maybe at some point we'll get to cover that episode in the future. But all right. Strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their neck out and give Trials and Tribulations a rating?
1: I'm going to go. I'm just going to give it a 10 out of 10. Because it may not be like the best, most powerful episode ever of Star Trek, but it is super fun. It is extraordinarily rewatchable. I mean, it's an episode mm-hmm. I could just pick up and sit down and watch. And if I ever were to see it, I'd be like, I'm gonna sit down and watch this episode. It's just a lot of fun. So
3: yeah, i I think I'm feeling pretty much the, the same because it, it's like the it sets the tone very clearly early early on. like you know that this is there's no stakes in this episode. This episode doesn't matter. You're just going to have fun, and then we have fun, and it's great. Mm-hmm.
2: So so you're also going with the same rating, Adam? I think so. I, I'll, right. I'll go with a 10. Uh, I'm not, who am I to disagree? <laughs> I, I'll
0: just keep it at that. Rudy? I'm, I'm going to be the holdout. <gasps> I, I, I think it. I'm going to give our audience a little bit of background here on how um, my fellow podcasters, some of them, not, I won't take names, are shifting allegiances towards DS9. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, my allegiances uh, have always been there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, process of elimination, and so I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a holdout. I love the episode. I can also watch it anytime I just feel that, and it's not fair to rate an episode based on why you go to Star Trek. I just go to Star Trek for um, stuff that's not totally humor based. So I will give it. I'll give it a warp nine point nine. There you go. <laughs>
1: I like it. Point one because it was
0: too Talking that point one because it was uh, just too much fun. Um, well,
3: you could have pulled it over to uh, to Voyager to if you gave it if you gave it a nine point nine seven
2: five. It could have been the warp factor
3: of
0: uh, Voyager, there you go. but <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All
2: right, well, for next week we're going back to Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise, and we're going to talk about the second episode of the second season, Carbon Creek. Um. Do I want to say more? I'm not going to say more. I'm just going to I'm just going to say if you haven't watched Carbon Creek, make sure you do this week. Uh it's well worth it in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll talk we'll discuss that next weekend. Well, with that, uh one other quick point, there's a discovery novel out called Star Trek Discovery Wonderlands. And it is uh very it's got rave reviews on trekmovie.com and a few other places. It is also one where uh, it's it's written by an author Una McCormack who's written other books for Star Trek that have been received well. And I'm trying to remember like which um which which book that she's written. Uh, This was just like it was just in my head, and it's it's now left. But um uh, the Weight of the Stars is is a Discovery novel, and the first Picard novel, Last Best Hope. So and there's a few others that she's written. So. Um, I can tell you I'm about halfway through this book. It is very good. And I want to do like a short mini episode, maybe reviewing it. If, if one of you, dear co-hosts managed to finish the book, um, we can do it. We can do that mini review together. Cause I'll just say this, if the book is focused on, uh, the book is focused on book and Burnham's <laughs> The bird. <laughs> year together, uh, while um, before Discovery pops in, so the time period between when hmm. birth, the first and second episodes of season three of Discovery, and man, if they had put the stuff into this in this book onto the screen, I think season three would have been superior, like better for it. Um, and oh. I just feel like my understanding of season three is has evolved because I read this book. It's that good. Um, and, and there are some things in it that I disagree with and I'll leave that for the review, but like, I'm, I'm not like, I don't really appreciate all of the stuff that the book is doing. I just feel like it lays out the lore and like what is happening in the environment that Discovery season three occurs really well. So I highly recommend if you haven't gone on and got it, uh, get the book. There's an audio book as well. I'm listening to the audio book. It's decently acted. Um, so, 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 so make sure you, you read it. Well, with that. Uh, Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Rudy, for being here. As always, I enjoy talking Star Trek with you every single week.
3: Thanks,
1: Notch.
2: Yeah, thanks, Natch yeah yeah favorite part of my week every time and thank you dear listener for sharing that with me and, and with my co-host I appreciate that you're taking the time to add us to your life uh, thanks Ishigua, for recording our theme music and then uh, thank you special thanks to Forrest Gum. like thanks for making your movie about your life because you know without it this you know maybe the disc- DS9 uh, writers wouldn't have got the idea to throw their characters into, into this old episode and it wouldn't have been as like um uh, You know, seamless uh, as it was. So, really special thanks to Boris Gump this week. All right, everybody, we'll come back to you next week. Goodbye.
0: Bye. 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 Bye.